creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. I wanna belong. I'm tired of being a Friday, July 14, 2017, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. I cooked HelloFresh last night. Mm-hmm. I made What'd you um, have? risotto with shrimp. It was, it was wonderful, oh. but the risotto, risotto by itself... You're kind of doing the thing for 25 minutes. So the whole thing being 30 ain't happening. Right. They sent a box to the office, like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like uh, unexpectedly. Yeah. And uh, and then I, I subscribe at home. Yeah. So I got two boxes. Yeah. It's pretty great. No I problem. love HelloFresh. I'm happy for you. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed, so there's no food waste. I can vouch there isn't. And HelloFresh delivers food to your doorstep in a recyclable insulated box for free. They're now offering light spring meals and it's just introduced breakfast options all for less than 10 bucks a meal. Right now, HelloFresh is offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special deal. You can get $30 off your first week of deliveries by visiting HelloFresh.com and entering offer code RELEVANT30 when you subscribe. Do it. You won't regret it. That's their new tagline. Do it. You won't regret it. Dare you. <laughs> I Do dare it. you to Cameron move. says you'll yeah. like it. What are you afraid? Dude, the burger that I'm going to make this weekend, whew, Frisco, it's got like cheese and like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be Frisco so good. Frisco in the morning, put it in, put it in the crock pot, just set it and forget it. Set it and forget it. Everything they give you in the box, plus a cup of water. You're good by the end of the day, man. Yeah. You got I'm just glad a- it's not uh, bologna and mayonnaise. Mm. Yeah. Baby, no, you got yourself fry a stew. the bologna, bro. Here's, here's yes. what they don't tell you. Here's what HelloFresh doesn't tell you when you okay. sign up for their for their mm-hmm. thing. This is the underbelly of HelloFresh. No, this, mm-hmm. this is a guy who used to eat bologna and frozen meals for dinner. Right. Now I'm doing HelloFresh pretty yeah. much every night, okay? Mm-hmm. What they don't tell you, you got a lot of cleanup. You, you got... You, <laughs> you, you got incredible you amount have, of cleanup. You have, you have pans... You have you have things like the the utensils things you cook with like you normally like, do when you all cook these food. things are in my sink now <laughs> yeah but, but I'm doing chores Cameron I think you're experiencing like a normal human adult thing <laughs> oh. which is anytime <laughs> food is prepared <laughs> there's minimal cleanup required because Cameron exactly no listen because you're you're because your typical experience when you say I typically make bologna when you say make bologna you're eating it out of the the Ziploc bag from the deli <laughs> with nothing else like no utensils not even even a napkin. My entire home eating was single serve hummus packet with baby carrots, or I could just grab a piece of bologna or turkey or whatever deli, or I'd get those steamer bowls, microwave bowl things. Great ones. And again, no cleanup because the bowl is the thing and you just throw it away at the end. So I never did dishes is my point. And now That's, with HelloFresh, I'm doing dishes all the time. But here's the thing, Cam, you got You have a child of age now. That's the life hack. My mom used to say stuff like, I'm not buying a dishwasher. I gave birth to two of them. <laughs> so now you got a son. You know, what are you talking about dishes? You have a Cameron, son that I, can reach the sink? I don't want this to come across as insulting. Please. But your eating habits in terms of the, the, your strategy for avoiding cleanup mm-hmm. is you require less cleanup than like a dog would and a dog doesn't even have hands like they just think but they still got a bowl to clean i gotta also say um just so that we can save the you know the sponsor 
water, most people use pans and it's fine. And okay. they love well, I do too now. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm your, I'm your host, Cameron. Back with us in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Hat Coffolds. Hey, man, good to see you. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler String. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us for the whole show this week, our guest host, Propaganda. What up, though, West West? From Los Angeles, uh, dude, we were just talking before we started recording. I, I, literally last night, I got the vinyl for your new album, Crooked, at the house Ooh. and uh, loving it. I've been listening to the album for a while because I got yeah. a pre-release. That's little little yeah. industry perk, you know, mm-hmm. got a yeah. pre-release. Yeah. But you know what? I'll, I'll say this. There's, uh, you know, we get pretty much every album for free. I mm-hmm. mean, and now with Spotify, I mean, everybody, you can hear whatever you want for free. There's not a lot of value to the music. So I, as a music fan, will go back and buy the physical or right. support artists that I love what they've made. Mm-hmm. And so I, after hearing the album for a couple months, I went on humblebeast.com and ordered ordered crooked on vinyl because this is an album I want to keep. This is an important album. It's a great album. And uh, listening to it again last night, just set it on on the turntable and stuff is it's amazing, man. Good job, prop. It's amazing. Yeah, seriously, man. Um, prop, can we talk about another album that I can't yes. talk about, but I'd like to like hear you talk about? Oh uh, yeah. Four forty four, Jay Z. The big ginormous like solar eclipse that <laughs> the album just happened to drop the same day as mine. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what, what do you think about that? What do you think about that OJ Simpson song? <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think? No, I'm just kidding. I think I'm interested in what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, first of all, it's brilliant. You know, he, he proved the record proves the, the theory that, you know, I've had for a while that hip hop can grow up. You can mm-hmm. make music, you can make rap music as an adult. And I've always said, Cause he's With like, in his, he's in his upper fifties now. I don't know about upper fifties, but, uh, but he's, he's, he's 50. probably around 50. He's pushing 50. He's probably he's around 50. Yeah. He's Dre's 50. But like, yeah, the, but the fact is like we, I've said this for a while, like hip hop has yet to see until now, who is our Bono? Mm. And I was, I always say the closest is Jay-Z. Interesting. And I think that he proved it with this record. Like he's yeah. our Bono. Like he, for sure transcends. And then he made an album that was so amazing. So specifically the OJ song when he was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> was like, there was, there was this, the brilliance in those, in that one response. Okay. Is what Alma and I had articulated or tried to so many times on the red couch podcast mm. to be like, Look, man, this is just not how it works, fam. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, so just, yeah, the maturity, the brilliance, No ID, if you're a hip-hop fan, like No ID was uh, Common's first uh, producer yeah. um, when Common was Common Sense. Like, so he just got, he yeah. was Kanye's mentor. Like, just yeah. just history in and just what hip hop and hip hop is. Yeah, the album's like completely untouchable. And thank you, Jay-Z, for staying on a title for at least the first week so your boy can have some chances. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> Jay-Z yeah. is 47 Charting. years old. He's 47. Really? Yeah. He, has not, he has not aged well. You don't think? I feel like I feel like I can look at a picture of Jay-Z now and a picture of Jay-Z 10 years ago, and I don't I don't know that I would be able to instantly tell which I don't know. Older. When I see a picture of Jay-Z and Beyonce side by side, I'm like, oh, she's with her dad. But she's 35 years old. 
I know, but that's yeah, a lot. she's that's like a she, young woman. But the thing is, Jay Z is that's his hook. That's his thing. He's always been unattractive, and that was his thing. He was like, <laughs> it don't matter. Yeah, he's just that's le- true. he's just leaned he's into talked his about ugliness it the whole time. Years. Yeah, I don't. I, the album to me was remarkable because you know he owned up to a lot of what yeah. she put out there with Lemonade, and he opened up about you know having issues with Kanye, and he talked about. I mean, just like it was a lot more vulnerable. And uh, I don't know, even contrite um, and humble than I expected. Musically, I'm not blown away by it, but lyrically, I think the substance of the content is pretty significant. So, yeah, it's weird to see someone with with a career full of so much like, you know, swagger. And, you know, I mean, he is he was like the king. Right. Actually have some vulnerability in in an album like like this late in his career. He has no he has no reason to do it. It's not like he needs the money. But as an artist, as an artist, he's he's willing to kind of like turn a page and be a little bit more transparent. You know, that's pretty cool. The the thing about Hove and this is like uh, this is I'm going into my like rap nerdery is like. He has always, and he's even said it in interviews, he was like, yo, every album is legitimately indicative to where I am in life. Mm-hmm. So when he was like, he was doing the hard knock life stuff, he was like, yo, I just, I had been hustling forever. Yeah. Then he did the blueprint. He was like, yo, I'm about to start a label. So I'm going to start talking about this. And then when he was doing like the girls, girls, girls stuff, he was like, yeah. I was single. I was partying. Give it to, you know, yeah. give, it, give it to me. He was like, and then I met Beyonce. And then everything changed and I did the Bonnie and Clyde stuff yeah. you know what I'm saying and then during the Black album he was like yo I'm at the end I feel like this is it so he was like in a lot of ways he was always making music exactly where he was you know what I'm saying which is like super exciting to me yeah um, and this is indicative of that right because he's like an adult man yeah. with marriage issues and yeah. a ton of money and he kind of yeah. talks about that. But, that but that's the thing to me like more than just like that's he's talking about whatever season he's in. I mean, so much of his rap persona was I'm I'm ra- the rap Jehovah. I'm, you know, I'm like yeah. Yeah. like it's it was puffing out the chest. I'm the best of all time. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know posturing against Nas, posturing against you know Biggie, posturing against everybody. It's, and it's it was definitely yeah. like ego, and I get that. But so that's why to me it was striking as a as a you know elderly man an elder statesman <laughs> an elderly yeah. rapper that he's actually like acknowledging a different thing than the i'm the best of all time i'm trying to prove yeah. it still and he owned that yeah. like he's the king that got knocked off a throne and he was yeah. open about why that happened i thought that was striking you know yeah, yeah. or they're phenomenal storytellers and yeah. Solange, Beyonce, and Jay Z cooked up three of the best albums of this decade. Yeah, in an elevator, and it's all just storytelling. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's really <laughs> crazy. Yeah. The Bono thing is an interesting comparison, right? Because it could have been Nas, and no, it still I, could be. I don't he... see the Bono thing because he didn't go through fifteen years of terrible albums like Bono did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? But not like, <laughs> like Bono's. Bono's kind of shooting one for five right now. Like yeah. it was you know? all good, but it wasn't critically acclaimed. Well, well, the, it, well. The, the other, the other thing too, like where I could see, like I guess maybe like culturally and like he is, That's what I'm it, you know, Bono like is an important figure to rock as like Jay Z is to to hip hop. But like Cameron was saying, like Bono right now is at a point in his career, and obviously he's a little bit older. 
but he's touring Joshua Tree, an album that came out 30 years ago. 25. You know what I mean? Bono and U2 are on a point in their career where people love them because of what they did, not because of what they're currently doing. Like, no one really cares. Like, if, J- if U2 were to release a new album, it no, I mean, people would listen, but they wouldn't really care. It wouldn't really matter. Yeah. Like, when Jay-Z releases a new album, it still is important. It's still, still platinum. He's literally yeah. never released a in non-platinum a week, album. In a weekend. I hate and, that guy. And, and a, no, and a weekend <laughs> on title. Yes. I mean, like before yes, it was only. released outside of title, it was platinum. It was crazy. Yeah. So. yeah, but he also like, I guess in the sense that like Bono stands in front of the UN. Yeah. You know, so I think in that sense where I was like the close, that's why I said the closest we have is Jay-Z to yeah. where he's at presidential inaugurations. That's right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I can't think of any other, I mean, who, like who else? Yeah, maybe saying, I can see like Kendrick. Maybe like no, he Kendrick's will, not there yet. He's he so will be early in his career. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we only have one guest. Normally, we have two, two segments. We'll do a game. We'll do band performance, something like that. Normally, we have two. We have one. Oh yeah, this uh, is you'll a find hot out one. why in slices because we kind of have a special surprise in slices. But uh, we have one main guest coming up, Moby. Eddie, Eddie was throwing shade on Moby right when he walked in, and uh, one, he just put out an album. Two, let's show a little respect, Eddie. The guy sold 20 million albums. And two, Chandler, you heard the interview. He, he had some good stuff to say. <laughs> Am great. I wrong? One of my favorites yeah. so yeah. far. I'm sure it'll be yeah. a great interview, and I'm sure he's a very sweet man. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny about it, I mean, Jesse did the interview. What's funny about it is Moby was on our cover back in 04. That makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. he, it was, he was our first big mainstream artist cover. Yeah. We were a brand new magazine. Right. And he heard about us or came across us in a newsstand or whatever and reached out to us. Love it. He wanted to talk to us. He had all these thoughts about Jesus and faith. And we were like, uh, okay. And we just kind of thought all big covers would land this easily, you know? Yeah. And what's funny <laughs> is Jesse, you know, was talking to him recently and he totally remembered talking yeah. to us back then and was excited to talk to us again. And the interview you'll hear talking about faith and it's it's fascinating i'm sure he's yeah. very sweet every interview he's ever given has been he's a very thoughtful man he's like a committed like a lot of things right vegan and different things yeah well the other thing too is that you'll hear is he's totally like self-aware you know because we start off you know i was talking about the new album he released and you know what what kind of motivated him to release it now because it has a lot of timely themes and you know he was self-aware enough to be like you know that's a great question. Why at some by this point in my career do I release music? Is it for people to hear? Like, do they care, or is it because I need like this art artistic outlet to say things? And like he he he's self aware. He's a smart guy. And like it, like you were saying, Cameron, he's remembered past conversations with us that he's had, and really felt like we were the people to talk to about uh, you know his faith and how it applies to kind of what's happening right now in his own life and around the country. Well, I feel kind of bad. I'm sure. You should. You're that's why, should. That's the only reason why I was saying all this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of rude. All right, moving the show along. <laughs> it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for... In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, Kesha released a comeback video with some really heavy religious themes. The single's called Praying, and it seems to be a response to the last few tur- turbulent years uh, that she's gone through. Back in... 2014, she filed a lawsuit alleging that her former producer, who goes by the name Dr. Luke, she alleged that uh, he abused her and assaulted her. Uh, He denied the allegations and 
she attempted to have her contract between her and the producer dissolve, saying it was stopping her from releasing any music. Judges have ruled against Kesha's request, and the two are still tangled in a legal battle. Wow. So not only Jeez. do the lyrics constantly reference prayer, but the video takes place at the Salvation Mountain art installation and climaxes with her praying at the foot of a cross. Here's a clip. That's yeah, but it is interesting how much prayer and religious imagery play into that video. It's also that's that's like the mountain that's featured on both the third day cover and the Radiohead album, the Salvation Mountain Art Installation, and, and uh, Joshua Tree. <laughs> it's very, it's in the background, way off way in the distance, way, <laughs> way off in the distance. Third day, man, they're still playing a lot. That's all I want to say about that. I love those guys. Pretty much any Christian music that was playing 20 years ago is still the heavy rotation on Christian radio. No, no, no. I mean live. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, you don't have to wait for them to go on a boat. Like, they're, right. they're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they're still <laughs> no, kicking. Sorry. Hey, the DC Talk Cruise is happening right now. I know. I saw, well, I've oh, seen. So, so you're saying that as we're talking right now, there are people trapped on a boat listening <laughs> to DC Talk. Yes. I, I, yes. And I saw on pictures the high of seas, it. I saw where pictures legally last, anything can happen. Right. I saw pictures last night. It was neat. I mean, it's cool to see the three of them up there. But like, is problem it, is, yeah, after that is show, it you cool, can't Eddie? But where can you go? I would like to have like... Do you go to the Lido deck and then like hey. Kevin's signing autographs. Right. And you're sitting in that swimming pool. It's just like a big bathtub. It's disgusting. All of that is disgusting. But yeah, what, what I'm really curious about is because the rollout of the DC Talk cruise was instantly infamous, right? Everyone was making... Because they, they hyped it like they were coming back and that this wasn't going to be a cruise, yeah. which is the lamest comeback vehicle ever. And when I say yeah. vehicle, I'm, I mean, I'm, that's a double meaning. Yeah. Like literally, if you're looking, if you're looking to come back, like have them drive out on yeah. a stage in a bunch of motorcycles. That's the coolest. Right. Zip lines number two, barely a vehicle, but still a mode of transportation. Right. Cruise boat is absolutely the lamest. Yeah. Like, but, but I, but all that to say is, my question is this: I wonder how many people are actually on that boat because what if because those boats carry like five thousand people, right? I don't know, like they, a lot of people. What if there's only like two hundred people on there? Like how awkward? I, is no, that? I think they were selling out. They well, they've been saying. That the boat's almost sold out for the last year. Yeah, that's so true. at some point you got. Yeah, wonder. that's a tactic. That you know, come on now. And like he, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying they're. This lying. isn't Jay Z. They didn't go platinum after a week. You know they. They. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would like. They're to, like almost platinum. Buy your new album. Almost platinum. Well, so know, close. Like, yeah. yeah, that's how wow. their marketing tactic. <laughs> hey, well, here, here's my other question too. The modesty question, like. I feel like a lot of the people on the DC talk cruise will have embraced a modesty lifestyle. My question is this, how many t-shirts are in the pool? This oh. <laughs> what percentage oh. What percentage of 100%. people in the pool are wearing a t-shirt? 100%. And they're not even rash guards that you can kind of say like, all right, no, no. they're trying it's to like care for the sun. It's like a cotton t-shirt that's very awkwardly clingy. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. That's how black. many t-shirts are in that pool? Let's yeah. be honest. Well, every youth group trip to Wet n' Wild, like the girls had to wear one pieces or a t-shirt over it. Yeah. Yo, so so percentage that... percentage of pool, of pool of swimmers on the DC talk pool, I'm saying at 45 are t-shirts. What do y'all think the median age on the DC, DC talk talk cruises because i couldn't get a read on that oh us it's 30s it, oh, it's, oh, it's I early think it's, 40 it's late 30 early 40s 
Really? If you were in high school or late middle school when DC Talk was like hitting, like when if Jesus Freak was the formative album to you, then you're on this cruise, I bet. Or you wanted to be. So I think I see, you're in, yeah, you're in your 40s. You're in your 40s. 40s. You're definitely. Yeah, because I was thinking 30s. I mean, like maybe you would have possibly wanted to Jesus go. Freak came out. So, I mean, it's possible that people are, you know. Yeah, but would you go on a cruise? Because I was, I remember getting, I remember my grandmother getting me Jesus Freak at a Christmas present and being like super disappointed. And I'm like, <laughs> well, like but I also, was definitely not at the age where I thought it was cool. But also, you got to be, you got to like, you have to have the money to go on a cruise. So that, that's right. the thing. It's like, I think it's older. I think that the luxury, uh, you know, uh, premium cruise experience that you're paying for, because this is way more expensive than a normal cruise. Well, in case you missed it, uh, you know the Pilgrim's Progress, that book that you had to read in Christian middle school uh, that was like 800 pages long? Do you remember that one? Very familiar. I, I had to read it. I didn't have to. I went to Christian school. You, you were home school. Prop Eddie, you guys haven't read Pilgrim's Progress? Just no. out of curiosity? It's the, it's, yeah, the, it. it's the 1678 John Bunyan novel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's being made into a movie. Uh, it's going to be called Heaven Quest colon a, Pil- a Pilgrim's Prog- Progress. Oh, great. Heaven Can I just say that Heaven Quest sounds like the name of a Christian magic show? <laughs> like, you if know, I was a Christian magician, I, my big epic live show would be called Heaven Quest. I'm not kidding. In the mid-90s, we had a computer game from a Christian computer game that I really think was called Heaven Quest because I remember playing it on the <laughs> Dell... <laughs> And it was like, you know, like, but I really think it was called Heaven Quest. We bought it at the Christian bookstore and it was so innovative. Look, the Christians are making video games now. That's so funny. I think it was called Heaven Quest. We are so and mine, good mine would be a two part show. It'd be called Heaven Quest and Hellbound. And I would take you to both sides of eternity through magic. Maybe like and a lot of people will come to the Lord. A lot of people come to the Lord. <laughs> Is that like an AB, like, uh, like an album? Like, like it'd be two shows. Flames. Yeah. yeah. Heaven's yeah, exactly. Game. Exactly. It starts. I mean, it's it's a pretty epic. I'm picturing my magic show is about four and a half hours, and that's only me doing three total tricks. They're quite epic setups, you yeah. know, because magic is all about the setup. It's I mean, showmanship. Yeah. yeah, you do so. the very very familiar, but like like hard to pull off, like the the ten x reveal. So like people's <laughs> minds are blown because they found the car that they were looking for. Then you're like, now look under your seat. And so they look under their seat. And at this point, their face is just melting. And there's a certain point where they're like getting into their ancestry.com and looking up historical photos of their family and realizing. And it's all me. Yeah. <laughs> you've been in pictures the whole time. <laughs> How are you also listed as my great grandfather? This is incredible. My mind is blown right now. I'd like I, you. I just bought a premium ancestry.com account too. The oh. other, the other, other thing is like uh, towards the end of the show, I'll be like, you know, I had a really great time here tonight. And I had three individuals that also had a great time here tonight uh, a few weeks back. They were in a car accident on the way home. And I noticed they didn't come and make a decision at the altar call. I can't help but wonder where they are right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, ladies and gentlemen. Man. Like the ultimate scare tactic that, oh, that happens at every one of those big productions. Yeah, I can't wait to see that movie. The <laughs> film is being made for international audiences. This is interesting. The cast of actors yeah. includes actors from South Korea, Australia, and Mexico, and the American lead singer of the Christian band Anthem Lights. I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of them. Who is any of the... I don't know. I mean, good guys, for them. Guys, I have a very interesting piece of trivia about this. Okay. okay. I was asked to audition for the film. Shut Are you going to be in it? Are you Your serious? mouth propaganda. I... Turned down the audition. Oh, 
Perhaps. Why? Well, I'm just curious. Is what why? do you mean? Why? Hold on. Listen. The film's director told the Hollywood Reporter, "We're trying to break new ground in the faith-based genre. It's dirt under the fingernails, action-packed, grittier, yes. more stylistic, and more cinematic than what audience have seen previously." I mean, so, that so, sounds like something you'd want to be in. Propaganda. Besides it probably being terrible, why would you have turned it down? <laughs> well, because the audition was this month, and. Uh, it would have taken like six months off of my touring calendar that I'm like, oh, I just wow. released a record, man. I can't just release a record and then disappear to make a movie. Like you got to tour the album. Yeah. So yeah. I just made a decision on saying, okay, that's like a side project for me. Um, and it would have just can't take away from plan A to do plan B. I love I love the idea that they couldn't get propaganda, so they got the lead singer from Anthem Lights. I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard the name, but prop. I'm really disappointed. I would have totally seen a movie where you yeah. are the Pilgrim and Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. Like, I, I would have I would have watched that non ironically and really enjoyed it. You would have been the lead propaganda. What the, what the, you're the, you'd be the only. You would have been the Judas character, Dang, the betrayer. Totally. <laughs> no, nah, I'd have to die first. You guys know how it goes, man. Oh no, <laughs> I got it. I'm oh, yeah. so yeah, right in the beginning. They, yeah, yeah. The you know that scene in the beginning of Pilgrim's Progress where the black guy dies. Remember that one? <laughs> no. Remember that one? Yeah, remember John Bunyan like started that whole thing. He's like the cool best friend that comes on the the overnight I mean, the camping black... trip. The slasher gets in first. Yeah, that was John Bunyan in like the like, 1600s. This is my favorite. The black part. Transformer died first the huh. black x-man died first well that is really well, something dave Chappelle was never killed in robin hood men in tights yeah, he was true. the first sidekick he made i it. think he was killed i gotta cameron we watched con air last summer how long did dave Chappelle last in that film oh i, I think mean, he was burned alive on the plane yeah it wasn't long that's yeah that's it true. was the first act I do know that. <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, Justin Bieber's new favorite song is by Hillsong Young and Free. He recently took to Instagram with a screenshot of an iPhone playing the track Falling Into You off of Young and Free's Youth Revival acoustic album with the caption, favorite song. You know, very loquacious he is. It sounds like his capturing. music. That's probably why I like it. It really so does sound like a Bieber song. <laughs> he also posted a few yeah. videos showing him having a good time at the recent Hillsong Conference in Sydney, which was uh, this past week. Even rocking uh, one uh, of their tour t-shirts that says, the truth shall set you free. He also posted a picture on Instagram uh, a couple of weeks ago of him spending time with Carl Lenz, Chad Veach, and Rich Wilkerson Jr., our buddies. And um, his Instagram bio now even includes a link to a recent sermon by Rich. Here's a clip of Falling Into You, Justin Bieber's favorite song. I'm falling into It does sound like a Bieber song. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was listening to it earlier. I'm like, I, if if you hadn't told me, I, you know, other than the vocals, this could have totally been Bieber. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll get back into Bieber when he reveals his favorite pop, podcast. Because <laughs> I have four options for him. Okay. Anything on the podcast network would oh. be fine. Well, but we're releasing nine new shows this fall, so... Yeah, yeah but he... I, I mean, he can get into those. And we have, like, probably 20 in motion for next year. It's I guess crazy. I'm just saying, of the current RPN... Yeah. Yeah. shows which are all, which a lot of them are wrapping up right around now that's we're yeah. ready for a new wave of releases and i'm not wrapping yeah, up. up i can't i can't yeah. stop no, keep, i know you can't I, stop. I keep going we can't stop you right i think his favorite we uh, we ended the season of the of the new <laughs> activists you keep recording them and posting them we don't know how to stop we're not right. we're not yeah i mean we're not we're not yeah. gonna physically restrain you yeah I mean, well we can't watch it 24 7 the second we take our eyes off eddie he's gonna upload another podcast yeah hey just, where's eddie and i see him running into the studio <laughs> like, he keeps his podcast on old like tapes you guys have no idea the kind of content that's about to happen we're gonna change that brand pretty significantly a- a- eddie eddie last night dropped into the studio like <laughs> Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible 2 because we have a pretty elaborate laser system laser set system, up right yeah. now. So he tethered in like on he a bungee. He danced through the lasers and <laughs> after he landed angels. from the tether and, and, and was able to upload the file. It was an impressive thing. I watched the security cam footage. He brought it all on this honest, little... I was mad but I was blown away by the USB. He has this little USB dongle. He puts it into the computer and he's like hoping it'll upload. He's watching the bar load as it's up being uploaded before the alarm I triggers. Just, hear Chandler walking into the studio. <laughs> right? And you're dressed in all black. Right. Head to toe. You know. Yeah, you just hear him go up, 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 up. And Jeremiah is somehow up in the up in the ventilation shaft pulling pulling his rope back up. You know who's driving the van outside is Chad Michael Snavely. They, they have a flower van out there. You know, you guys could have just gone to Starbucks and uploaded it. You didn't have to come into the building. You didn't have to break and entering. Yeah, I like the fear a lot. Like all of the Facebook posts that relevant done have yeah. done, they're all from your guest bedroom. Yeah, it's really awkward. yeah. It's I, uh, you know what? You know what is? They're all armed during this heist too. In case they run <laughs> into one of us in the hallway, they have no choice but to kill us. That, I mean, that's the reason why I just got back from the new studio, checking in on the construction and stuff like that. Uh, that's why we're moving. Number one, and the mm-hmm. security that I'm putting into the walls is unbelievable. You it's, won't be able to get yeah. in. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. You know, all yeah. you're doing is issuing a challenge to Eddie that he gladly accepts. Yeah. I. I literally just released an episode. <laughs> just now while we just were talking. Now. I was looking at you the whole time. How did you even do it? I don't understand. Right. Just you, know, say. you know what happened? In, in, in We think no time has passed, but he simultaneously gassed us all. Me and Prop in our own homes. Right. The studio as well. <laughs> he just had 20 free minutes. We didn't even realize any time went by. I used the men in black thing. You, no, you do, the, you do the Zach Morris where you freeze time, but you're still walking around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. I just pause. Hey, everyone. Yeah, this is the new activist. <laughs> he recorded. He didn't just upload yeah. it. He yeah. recorded it just yeah. now. Recorded yeah. it right there. Really excited about this week's show. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Eddie Coppins. <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, Francis Chan uh, spoke at Facebook's headquarters uh, yeah. recently about church, faith, and leadership. Uh, the writer, teacher, and the former pastor of Cornerstone Community Church. Um, He's also, he's the leader of the We Are Church house church movement. He spoke to employees at the corporate headquarters in a speech centered on the, on the idea of how to get to heaven from Silicon Valley. In the 45 minute talk, which he opened in prayer, he spoke in depth about why he stepped down as the pastor of the mega church that he founded and embraced a new kind of community. He said, this one guy put it like this. It's like being adopted rather than being in an orphanage church. The way I was doing was like an orphanage. Here's just a bunch of kids with one leader and rather than saying, no, you know what? We're going to put you in a home and these guys are going to actually know you and love you and care for you. It's just like a family. 
He also encouraged the Facebook employees to not be prideful about their positions of influence and culture and to instead embrace humility in their work and presented them with the gospel. Here's a clip. Jesus says, unless we become like those children. So as a kid, I just want to tell you, I do believe there's a God. And I do believe he has every right, like my daughter said. He's the judge. To punish us as severely as he sees fit. He decides what's fair, not me. And I do believe that God is also a God of mercy and love. Which blows my mind to think that he wanted to show one act of love that would just surpass everything that's ever happened on this earth. He goes, watch this. I'll take my one and only son. And as a father, I get that. And I'm going to watch him suffer. To pay for your crimes. He says he he took him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God through him. That fascinates me. And he says any of us can be forgiven and know him. And that you have to come to a point in your life when you hear that story and go, are you kidding me? He died for me? That's not it. He rose from the dead three days later to show that, look, I meant what I said. I am who I say I am. And he says, look, you can be forgiven of everything if you believe that actually happened. And not only that, but he'll put his spirit in you so that you can even understand these spiritual things and get him and know him and take on the mind of Christ. And he ended it with, if you could all bow your heads, close your eyes. Yeah, he goes, he goes last time I was at Facebook, there was three people that were driving home. And they were in an accident. And I don't know where they are right now. Every head bow, every eye closed. Oh, no. <laughs> that guy, Francis Chan, he never really just does a mellow talk, does he? No. That no. guy is he, like, he, he, he's, he's incapable of like phoning something in. No, know? I love him. Like Eddie. Oh, I'll phone. I just released another show. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I just did another one. He phoned in a show. Oh, man. Yeah, it was an amazing show. You guys should have heard it. <laughs> it's a great. It How was. did you release 17 episodes of The New Activist this week? I don't even. Are you. What's even. Do you even listen to your own shows? Who's editing them? It's, it's a whole factory. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Hey, in case you missed it, Ava DuVarnay. Uh, will direct a Netflix series about the Central Park oh, yeah. Five. Yeah. Um, the Central Park Five is a name given okay. to the five Harlem teenagers who were wrongfully arrested for the rape of Trisha Maili in 1989. They were exonerated in 2014 and paid a settlement by New York City. In a statement, she explained, quote, I had an extraordinary experience working with Netflix on 13th yeah. and am overjoyed to continue this exploration of the criminal justice system. The story of the men known as the Central Park Five has riveted me for more than two decades. In their journey, we witnessed five innocent young men of color who were met with injustice at every turn from coerced confessions to unjust incarceration to public calls for their execution by the man who would go on to be the president of the United States. A 1989 full-page ad in New York's four, page, four major newspapers written by Donald Trump called for their execution. Yep. He has since refused to acknowledge their innocence. Uh, DuVernay is also directing Disney's big screen adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time. Yikes. Man, she's making some waves. She, yeah, Deuce. she she is w- one of the most exciting directors. Yeah, because 13th, I think anyone who watched it, it's impossible not to be changed after seeing that film. All right, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Sometimes it's time to tell what we're really living for. Hear the voice. 
listening to Moon Taxi. The song is too high, but it's TWO, so it's it's safe for the little ears. <laughs> At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Fife and Kimbro with the song Belong. There you go. Good stuff. Okay, side for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, so, uh... <laughs> There's, uh, you know, we're at a time where there's like a lot of cool, like different tech startups and a lot of interesting ideas. Well, uh, one company called E Umbrella in China found out the hard way that uh, a borrowing business model doesn't always work. So they had an investment of about a million and a half dollars. And with it, they were able to purchase 300,000 umbrellas and put them across 11 different Chinese cities. So the idea is simple. is like if you're walking through a city and it starts raining and you don't have an umbrella on you, what? why not just go and like rent one in like a vending machine type of situation and then you can go return it and other people can go rent it. So like the business model is pretty clear. Like all you gotta do is buy these 300,000 umbrellas and then people renting them and the umbrellas just start making you money. The problem is it launched three months ago. So they're 90 days into the business. They have lost every single one of the umbrellas. What? All 300,000 have been <laughs> stolen. I mean, wow. I mean, probably people think that they're just free umbrellas. I mean, I don't know if stolen is the right word. Well, I mean, they they put they put on there like they put instructions for how to check out the umbrellas and how to return them. Now, they they are admitting like maybe it was a little overcomplicated. And they also the the people that that started the company had evidently they were um, inspired by a company that does like bike rentals. And you see those a lot in like urban city or urban areas where you can check out a bike and return it. And, uh, you know. Uh, you know, ride it around for a couple hours and people return the bikes. They didn't think of a mechanism to track the umbrellas. So really, it's the perfect crime. They, there's no way if that if you rented one of these umbrellas, you can get caught. Um, so that was a big flaw in the business plan. But the CEO released a statement to the South China Morning Post and said that he's figured out why none of the umbrellas that were returned. And he said, quote, umbrellas are different than bicycles. Bikes can be parked anywhere. But with an umbrella, you need a railing or a fence to hang it on. I got news for you, CEO of E-Umbrella. That's not why they got stolen. It's super, super no. easy to find a fence or a railing in an urban city. That's The city is mostly comprised of railings and fences. It's impossible not to see one. I think the big flaw here is like it costs $3 to rent an umbrella. I could go buy an umbrella for like $5. Right. Like it, it's not meeting that much of a need. I think it's just a bad idea. I don't think I don't think it's a shortage of railings that took the business offline. I think people would just assume if I if I rented an umbrella for $3, I'm getting ripped off if I return this thing. So, yeah, for one time use, that is a little high. Yeah. So, but you know, what the thing about the the bikes is that to get the bike, you got to swipe a credit card. If you don't return that bike, you're getting dinged for the whole credit card. Right. Just like at a hotel, if you if you take the robe, there's a charge for the full robe. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I, but so, so how are they doing a $3 transaction or rental without a credit card to back it up? Evidently, so hmm. <laughs> when you pay the money, so the 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 umbrellas have like a little uh, code on them, and uh, you you download this app and you're sent the code, and you can you know unlock the umbrella and get it to open. Oh, but gosh. evidently, like I guess there's a problem with them locking back up. So people just figured, hey, there's nothing preventing me from taking this umbrella with me. Um, so it was a flawed business model. But he, the thing is that the, the, I guess in China, like the a, the borrowing 
system is pretty big. So they thought this was going to work. But I think that's what we need more of here. Like pretty much anything I own is technically for rent. Like if someone were to ask me, like a stranger, if they can borrow anything I own and said, uh, you know, this many this many dollars for a day, I would probably do it. Like I think yeah, there's no major room for disruption in like the car rental industry. Like why do I need to go to some complicated place at the airport if the houses surrounding the airport could just let me just residents let me rent their cars? I think I think the renting thing is a good idea. You just got to figure out how to keep people accountable. Listen, my listen. I know you're being funny, but it, truthfully, there is this um, my. Uh, brother-in-law lives in portland and they have a full like a tool rental library but it's not like dumb stuff it's like if you want to rent like a lathe and try out like turning wood or something you can rent all this stuff and take it home i feel like isn't that so fun to be able to rent that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. i feel like that's such a good idea Mm -hmm. it it is a good idea but i know my personality i think out of the three hundred thousand umbrellas that have gone missing for e-umbrella like their entire inventory and millions of dollars worth of umbrellas i think only probably a hundred and hundred fifty thousand of those were done maliciously most of them were like me where i inevitably if i borrow something like if i purchase something i'll have it forever if i borrow something i don't know how but i lose it within an hour it falls into a void of other things I've borrowed in my lifetime and I have to pay the person to replace it. That's what I'm absolutely certain happened with these you, umbrellas. You forget where it was. You forget the fact that it's borrowed. You're like, wait, who did I borrow this from? How do yeah. I? And especially I could picture the umbrella thing being like, okay, wait, where do I return it? Yeah. And then you're like, but if I return it there... And then I got to walk back to where I was. Now I don't have an umbrella. So I'm like, what? Like I said, the other thing is just carelessness. Like, yeah, yeah, dad, I borrowed your table saw, but I forgot who I borrowed it from. I ended up just selling it on Craigslist and keeping the money. So sue me. I'm careless. That's the umbrella situation. That's why this thing didn't work. You know, but but they're on to something because it's the concept of dun-da-da-dun community. Why can't, like... Why can't we just have communal umbrellas? Like, why can't we have communal a lot of things? Like you said, like, why is not renting stuff so normal? My neighbor could walk in here right now and could be like, let me borrow your VCR right quick. And I would be like, what are you quoting Friday? Dang, that's super old school. But I don't have (laughs) a VCR. But if I did, sure, why not? Right. But I, th- I think what you're I think what you're describing uh, has been accomplished by a lot of cults over the years. A lot of cults. Yeah. Uh, they live in a commune. Nobody owns anything. You can just take what you want from everybody, including wives. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I was starting to agree, and then it sounded like I was agreeing to that point, but I wasn't. It was something before it. Anyhow, just to separate no, Jesus no, people. I, know. I, I do look, this. man. I think the rental business is like a great idea. It's just how can you hold people accountable if they don't steal your stuff? Because the other thing too is like you would the umbrella ple- the umbrella place have to go hire somebody to go track down all their umbrellas. Right. I mean, that'd be kind of a cool job if you're like kicking down doors looking for umbrellas. College dorms are basically this life, right? Because like I, yeah. my college dorm room, I had a lot of movies yeah, and mm-hmm. I would come back and like oh, most of them are somewhere around. People were using, you know, yeah. I was the movie yeah. library and, <laughs> and, and I would be walking around campus and I'd see guys wearing my shirts and stuff. What? You know, was, yeah, you'd be, my dorm wing, you just got, they just kind of take what they yeah. wanted. And then sometimes some of it made it back to you and some of it didn't. But I kind of love it. I mean, if we're all doing that together, like it's crazy that my neighbor on either side, we all own lawnmowers. Like, right? Why is there not why? just... Yeah. yeah. Why isn't there just one lawnmower per two blocks where just you grab the lawnmower? Or like, it's just crazy to me that we're not sharing Who's all this. Who's funding said lawnmower? 
Is it like, hey guys, do we all go in on a Maybe lawnmower? Maybe you're the dude that has a lawnmower, and Frank down the street is the umbrella guy. But that's know? right. Like, yeah. <laughs> or you have the yeah. I have the edger. I have an edger. Hey, listen, you got a listen. Lawnmower. You got the edger. I got the you know. Ted's got the lawnmower. Look, and I yeah. I just stumbled. Don't ask me how, but I now have in possession three hundred thousand umbrellas. <laughs> if you guys are ever a champ. So. See, this all works if nobody ever moves. Because then once True. the lawnmower guy moves off the block, y'all are stuck. Throws it all off. Yeah. yeah. But it was like community swimming pools. I have a that friend who said that what their family did, him, his, like two of his aunts and a couple of their family friends, they went on a street, bought five houses next to each other, knocked down the walls in between them, and they share the mortgage. And there's huh. three cars among them. And they're like, this is the greatest living situation. And we just they knocked down just, the walls. So they made it they one knocked, super long house. Yeah, they just house. made it all one, one long house. They said they got it from, they're all from, they're like, he, he's from Sri Lanka, right? Uh, and he said, that's what they do in Sri Lanka. And they were like, this is ridiculous. We could do it here. So they just pooled all their resources. They all got it together. And they just like, they live in, now there's built-in babysitters. Everybody has, a, there's food always. It's just like, you just, I, I you know. Prop, I hate to tell you, man. Your friend started a cult. Yeah, like uh, your friend. Your friend is a cult. Yeah, no, but hey, my, my neighborhood association might have a problem if I attach myself to my neighbor's house. And I, I know my neighbors, but if I were to tunnel over there, and I were, and I had a system where I was just going to their home at night and taking things and back through the tunnel, I think we're, I think we're onto something here. Yeah. I just released a new episode American about fight. why umbrellas are ridiculous. <laughs> It was not a, about community, life and community and justice, like a new activism mm-mm. of serving no, and we community. Broke format. No, you're just talking. It's yeah. a rant episode I about did. how ridiculous umbrellas are. It, it's a rant yes. yeah, about why aren't there more houses connect, connected <laughs> by complicated tunnel systems. It is 35 minutes of me talking about the, that umbrella situation yeah. with, I mean, the brilliance plays underneath it. So right. that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, so not, so that means it's justice. That means it's justice. Yeah. So yeah. That's, <laughs> right. All right. What do you have, Eddie? So last week I ran across an interesting article. I'm not even going to pull it up. I'm just going to do it by memory because what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you generally what I remember. You, you made this one up entirely, didn't and, you? Eddie? And it's about the, it's about the the Catholic Church and the Pope and communion. So this is probably a good one to be just a little bit shady on the facts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the headline said that it is you cannot use that the Pope has outlawed even though i don't think it's law like i don't think he's going to send his police officers but the pope like the vatican police yeah the guys with the special jackets on they have the coolest uniforms out of any law enforcement on earth those are still handmade i saw a thing on cbs sunday morning any any uniform that would be equally fitting for enforcing the law or taming a lion is cool in my book so uh so the ruling was made that gluten-free bread Okay. Cannot be a part of communion. Cannot. No. The yeah. church that you were a pastor at offered a gluten-free communion bread option. Yeah, now granted. But, but, it, was a, but it was a Protestant church. Oh, it was barely, <laughs> even barely Protestant. It was just like a... a <laughs> it was what? French. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was very, very... So there was gluten-free options. They had candy at communion at Eddie's. <laughs> oh, I have in my life on a youth group retreat, it'll use a cookie and Gatorade. I haven't set it up, but I have had that. So That's I would imagine... Nice. You were the recipient of? of yeah. Of Cooking yeah, game. like our youth director was like, cool. 
you know. Oh no. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> no he was cool. <laughs> cool. Um, was it Red Gatorade? It was oh Chandler, you only do one a show, and that was worth it. Well done. Please tell me at least it was it was like electric strawberry or something. Um yeah, it had bet it had better been great blaze, Betty. Right. Well, it started out as grape uh Gatorade and it turned into red Gatorade oh, after they prayed over it. So uh low gluten bread is allowed, but there must be enough protein in the wheat to make it without additives. And so I'm reading this article, and of course, me being me, I'm just like, this is crazy town. So I take the Twitter, which was just uh, at the time. It seemed like a good idea. Sure. Then I realized as soon as I hit send, this was probably a very, very bad idea. And then you hit delete <laughs> because I do that all the time. I tweet and then within 30 <laughs> seconds, it's gone. I got to tell you, I had to delete. Uh, I rarely delete tweets, but somebody DM yeah. me and they're like, hey, you actually that quote, was my dad. Well, no, yeah. but they DM me and they're like, hey, your little joke there was actually half of a quote from somebody that was in like a uh, like a uh, a Nazi like I, like in a concentration camp. Oh no! And I was uh, like, I did not know that. <laughs> I am so, and I deleted. That that's tweet. the only way you heard. I delete tweets all the time. But yeah. I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I put a joke out there. It falls flat. I can tell right away if it falls <laughs> oh, flat. Oh, so you deleted if it didn't work? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're you're, you're, you're yeah. workshopping out there. Oh, yeah. I let the trash stay there. Oh no. To me, oh, the, no, the internet doesn't it. forget. I, I gotta I gotta delete the evidence. Yeah, before someone screenshots oh, yeah. it. <laughs> so, uh, however. I so get you, so, so it's okay. I put so, it out on Twitter. J- 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 real quick. So just to recap, Pope you read the story no about the Pope free. setting rules for the composition of communion bread. Right. And you, for some reason, were struck. I'm, I'm assuming you thought it was absurd. So you well, took to Twitter to say something uninformed and snarky about no, it. No, and no, that's no, where we take that. No. For the very first time in my whole life, I didn't say something uninformed and snarky. It's that I kept finding the articles and I kept looking and none of them had a reason. It was like, well, what does it matter? And at what point is bread not bread if it doesn't have communion? And what does it even matter? Like what you take for communion. So anyhow, the typical Twitter feedback happened and some of it was, you know, whatever. But finally... Like a beautiful beacon descending from above, Father Stephen Reese replies and gives a very thoughtful answer. And joining us on the show is literally my most Catholic friend, Father Reese. <laughs> wow. Hey, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Because Kiki, it's of course, longtime friend of the show, yeah. is Catholic, but not. not really? Like, yeah, but not. Is like it fully fa- took? But not like, exactly. Right. <laughs> we have questions, but not like, yeah. Father. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well. You, you guys? Good. How's your day going? Excellent. Uh, I'm good. I'm actually a little bit on vacation at the moment, so I'm. Oh, what are you doing? Just, right. Uh, I was away last week with my family, but uh, this week I'm home with, uh, at my parents' house. So. Oh, well, that's I would cool. say that's a very nice Airbnb you're at. I can see the room you're in. <laughs> it's <laughs> my parents' living room. <laughs> Dude, you're on vacation and you're still wearing all of your fancy clothes. Well, I wasn't sure if this was being recorded, so I, I threw it on quickly. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should have told you. I'm wearing shorts. Shorts yeah. and a t-shirt. Yeah. I was expecting you to be in, in, in sweatpants with a crock pot of meatballs. But, That's right. Uh, yeah, we're just glad he's wearing a shirt this week, frankly. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want to sound irreverent before Eddie gets into his slice, but after this, <laughs> I'm going to need to ask you about receiving absolution for the theft of a substantial amount of umbrellas. <laughs> well, I, I can move into the closet and we can talk about it. So We well, yeah. might, because I need to get this off my chest and I need to figure out a place to unload these things. I like, I, uh, Father, I like how well you rolled with that absurd. Not knowing at all what he was talking about, but you've listened long enough to know that you'll get the context when you listen on Friday. That's yeah. what that's what's great about having him. 
Okay, so listen, my slice, you heard me. I basically gave all the information I have. Help me understand, help us understand what I'm missing because to me, it seems like uh, we're, it's just, we're mincing words. Like, what does it matter what you, what you use? But it does matter, and you made a really compelling, like, not argument for that, but you had a really compelling point. So why did the Pope issue that decree? Well, I think what's so interesting about this whole thing is that it, this thing blew up on in the news on social media, and this was an internal memo. It was like a letter from your boss telling you not to leave dirty mugs in the sink, you know, <laughs> or or like you know don't leave the copy machine jammed. Um, but it blew up everywhere, and uh, it, people were somewhat shocked by it. Um, the big takeaway from it was that nothing really changed. Um, in terms of what the church was allowing in terms of, of communion bread. Mm. Um, ultimately, what it was saying was that the matter that we use for the sacrament matters. Um, and in order for it to be valid, that the, the, the bread and the wine has to be made from grain, from, from wheat, and contain at least partial gluten. Otherwise, if it was zero gluten, it would be uh, made from rice or some other substance that would not be grain based. Mm-hmm. So, but why does that matter? Why yeah, does it matter be, that it's actually made of bread? I guess the other thing too, and maybe just to unpack your question, Eddie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what is the primary difference between how a lot of Protestant practicing Christians view communion and how the Catholic Church views communion? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think when it comes to the sacraments, especially in Catholicism, it always comes down to a matter and form, right? So let's take baptism for a moment. Um, what is the matter for baptism? It's water. And what is the form or the formula? It's the words of baptism. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, would that baptism be valid if you were to use red Gatorade instead of water? <laughs> fair, fair. Hypothetically. 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 And I'm assuming uh, you're going to say yes. Uh, well, I think the church would say no. It's no, not. no, not <laughs> at all. Yeah. Not at all, right? Um, but, and, so, and so for communion, uh, for the Eucharist, of course, uh, we believe that what happens on the altars is a, a, a substantial change and that the, the, the bread and the wine are transformed. And so for that transformation to take place, it has to be uh, grain, it has to be wine, fermented wine. Um, and there's lots of scriptural reasons for it. If you think of the in the Old Testament, New Testament, lots of images for uh, bread from heaven, manna. You hear Jesus talking about the bread of life. Uh, Jesus refers to himself as a grain, um, a grain mm. of wheat. Um, and then, of course, you think of all the New, uh, New and Old Testament references in terms of wine. Um, and so the church was saying in order for this to be valid, which is what the church is concerned about, uh, there has to be a proper matter. Interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Here's one other. Do because this is the thing in my church. We have I don't partake of the gluten free sacrament, Mm -hmm. but I I don't have any choice but to go with Welch's grape juice. Is Mm -hmm. that on? Does it have to be like wine, or does it just matter the grape content? the Catholic Church, it has to be uh, partially fermented. Okay. Uh, so the ferment, fermentation process has to have begun in order for it to be used uh, on the altar. Interesting. Hmm. That is yeah. interesting. So really for Protestant churches, this, because there's a, uh, there seems to be a fundamental difference in understanding or belief, maybe, of what is happening during the sacrament of communion. They may not resonate with this because they're like, gluten, not gluten, Oreo cookie, what does it matter? It's all just 
you know, a, a symbol. metaphor. It's right? a metaphor. That's how, exactly. yeah, that's yeah. how right. yeah. symbolic. It's symbolic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, in the Catholic Church, we were saying that this is more than just a symbolic meal or a symbolic um, representation, um, that Christ is making himself visible to us here in the midst of the worshiping community. Um, and so in order for that to take place, the elements that he used at the Last Supper uh, have to be there as well. Yeah. Oh. I, you know, I, I've never heard the phrase, which which actually like is it's pretty awe inspiring when you say that things like the form and the matter yeah. and that both of those things, like the, the specificity um, is important, you know? And I think that's, you know, like, like you said, like we, you know, as a Protestant, we've, we have fundamental differences about that, but just the idea is I think something that we, we should probably like kind of rescue and bring into our tradition and say, yeah, like the, like the form and the matter means something. Yeah. That was kind of inspiring oh, to me. It's interesting you say that prop because I'm like I, from that n- non-denominational church to like I, I go to an Anglican church now. And so I'm like halfway to you, father. Is that the one with the yeah. hats and stuff? They don't wear. I mean, they can wear hats. Yeah. The bishop wears hats. <laughs> Do you have to wear like a button or something to identify you as an Anglican? Uh, no, <laughs> but there's no gluten free communion. So well, you, you would know. <laughs> Salute um, to the Henry VIII picture so, when you walk. Are you okay with me being Anglican? Am I like close enough to you yet? Or are we still no. mortal enemies? It's, it's, a great it's close, but you're at a safe distance. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but not close, not close enough. Then. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about my priest who wears the same outfit as you? Because it feels like <laughs> you probably look at those guys and are like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Do they have to identify that I'm Posers. not a real priest? I'm an Anglican priest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, we would consider them priests, right? They are ordained. Um, we would say not validly, but... Not technically in the eyes of God, it's but like, whatever. It's like whatever. you got a homeschool diploma, not yeah, yeah. a high school diploma. Oh, oh, Father, no. Father Shane Father joining Mar- us on the show today. <laughs> yes, Father, my respect for you just shot up so yeah. much right now. Well, I, I have another question for you, too, because you sure. follow Eddie on Twitter and you've listened to the show for some time. Aside from whatever ignorant thing Eddie tweeted out about Holy Communion, <laughs> what is the most offensive thing he's ever said? <laughs> in your opinion? Well, it had to be that the tenth anniversary show was that the one with the uh, revelation, oh, revelations, no. or whatever. Yes, or? Was, I was offended okay. by that. Can I say something? That actually was kind of messed up, right? <laughs> like, 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 I'm still gonna you, do. It. You piped in a fake voice of God into a church. You Eddie. wrote scripture. <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't the offensive part. I thought it just because it wasn't that funny. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, man. Father, did that actually bother you? Oh, well, <laughs> not really. No, it was cool. <laughs> Good. You know what Good. was shocking to me about this whole thing about the, the Pope, you know, uh, talking about... You Who know, we love, by the way. I love that stuff. guy. Yeah, he's yeah. best. Big fan. I also learning Duh. that right after that, uh, the statement he made, how much he hates dirty dishes left in the sink. Interesting. You know, <laughs> you know, made the news. It's, it's a big problem over at the Vatican. All those it's, filthy goblets have left everywhere. Have you visited the Vatican? I, I haven't. Actually, I'm going for the first time in October. So I've been. You've never been? It's incredible. I've, I've never been, too. Been, no. How weird is it that me and Cameron have been to the Vatican and you haven't? 
Uh, I've lived a very sheltered life, I guess. So I, I guess know. that was kind of mean of me to say. <laughs> I should just I'm surprised that they even let you near that place, Eddie. You've got to take the tour of the catacombs. Father, can you, can you prevent oh. Eddie from going back? I think he's done enough to besmirch uh, himself there. That he I can, just... I'll have Francis write a papal bull to stop Eddie from going. So. <laughs> <laughs> the ceilings at the Vatican are oh, unbelievable yeah. all yeah. over. Anyway, yeah, well, absolutely. thanks for joining us. Thanks for setting us straight and explaining uh, the significance of the gluten-non-gluten debate. It was very yeah. helpful. It was very helpful. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. This is awesome. awesome. Oh, you're yeah, awesome. Thanks fun. for being on the show, Father. Thanks. All right. <laughs> we had a priest on the show. That was cool. <laughs> that was cool. He was great. Okay. Uh, uh, slices. Prop. What do you have? And who's your hey. guest that's a priest? Yeah. Well, yeah. How are you going to one-up and, Eddie's? And what holy man are you bringing us? Yeah. Prop. Uh, Here's a slice about robots. Well, actually, I have one that uh, makes me feel actually rather vindicated now you know in the uh so in the 80s there was all these studies about um just the effects of coffee drinking too much coffee how it's damaging and you know it's like it's it's horrible for you and just like it's messing up your heart and all these things right how, how many cups um, a day do you have you drink you're you're a connoisseur of coffee yeah a lot I of am. people just like you know mindlessly pound coffee all day at work you're not that person you're a connoisseur no, 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 it's a no, craft. No. i enjoy it yeah, yeah. that's right and there is yeah, it's a, not as functional. Maybe. I'll tell you, just as somebody who's had quite a bit of coffee myself, like what Prop does in that pour over and, and the type of coffee he makes is so balanced and delicious, yeah. you know, as opposed to like you go to Starbucks and got to dump a lot of stuff in it to make it palatable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. People don't realize until Absolutely. they've had really excellent coffee. Yeah. Like I, I went to Vivace in Seattle and all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool. A- hey, cool, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Tell us again, man. Tell us all about it. Father Reese. Where has was some, it? Seattle. Wow. Father Reese cool. has some pretty hard shorts for you. Hey, Continue on. Prop, the only the only coffee I've had made for me as good as the coffee you've made for me was I'll I'll be honest. This past week, Father John Misty, uh, Josh Tillman, okay. took thirty minutes to create a pour over for me when we were at his house. Jesse, nothing. Uh, I went to a major metropolitan city that most people have been to, and he had Father John Misty make him coffee, and you don't say anything. <laughs> I'm just saying. Eddie, that, he turned that in, he's turned that into a fantastic cover story. <laughs> Unless you can turn something around about Versace in Seattle, then, yeah. then I don't care about your pretentious $8 mu- coffee. Josh, no, Josh, no thanks. Uh, Josh, Father John Misty, Josh, he said yeah. every time I've had somebody over like do an article with me or whatever, I always end up making him a cup of coffee because he's as passionate about it as propaganda is. Mm-hmm. And he said it always ends up in the article. I said, I promise you will not end up in ours. Cameron, you should have said after his half hour of slaving away on it and he handed it to you, she'd be like, Ugh, you got any cream and sugar? Because <laughs> this you know, is like French vanilla or something. Because you out. This is, this has got some bite, man. I need something. Yeah. We, no, it's man, crazy though. Got, like yeah. the stuff that prop, prop, man, maybe prop could help you out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Propsters sink on his. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, so there's, so all these studies came out in the eighties, right? And what nobody noticed was the, the study is so bogus because yeah, people were dumping pounds of cream and sugar in it and they were all chain smokers. So, oh. Yeah, they're dying. And how you of all the things you gonna point at, you pointed at the coffee as the problem. Right? So it was more it was so, more of a correlation, not necessarily a causation. causation. A causation. So they're looking at like yes. the deaths of coffee drinkers, but not factoring in the other unhealthy habits they had, essentially. Absolutely. Okay. So two major studies just came out of the UK. Um and they uh surveyed um a couple thousand people, right? Followed them over a few years. And what the study shows is that 
three cups of coffee like can reduce uh, early death. They found that um, it reduced the risks of liver disease, digestive and Boom. circulatory problems. And it shows that it's not the caffeine. It's the antioxidants Boom. that are inside Wait. of coffee. It's practically a superfood. And they're saying there is a correlation as to how much coffee you drink a day. Now, they like, it's black coffee, right? You can't be throwing all the other stuff in it. But at the end of the day, I literally will outlive all of you. Here's my prop. Here's my only thing with this, man. These studies come out all the time. And it's like, oh, coffee's not good for you. Coffee is good for you. Oh, drinking wine is good for you. Oh, it's bad for you. Oh, you should be eating dark chocolate all day. You know, you, you... sooner or later you're gonna be on the internet and you're gonna be eating like eight avocados a day polishing it off with you know a candy bar and then it's gonna come out and tell you how terrible it is i think i just eat what i want and i will find something on the internet to tell me that i'm making the right choices because literally whatever you eat you can find something to tell you that's a good thing yes now here's the thing (laughs) don't you ever talk in a pejorative way about an avocado (laughs) <laughs> okay, they are glorious. They are really good. They are. I feel okay. Heaven's gift. To I don't us. want to get into a whole avocado thing here, but okay. avocados are the most overrated average vegetable we got. I mean, they, they, they're basically flavorless. Gonna, it's like it's I'll, like the water of vegetables. Right, like Jesse, it just doesn't bring that much to the table. Jesse, pause. Propaganda for the rebuttal. <laughs> oh yes. Goodness. Yes. Celery and lettuce are the water of vegetables for Agreed. sure. Agreed. I'll give you that. Matter of fact, they have negative calories. You burn more calories eating them than they have in them. Ding. I'll give you that. That's a Avocados, point. however, that's like Mario cultural icon. You understand what I'm trying anything, to say right here? Anything you can't just eat alone by itself that I need, like where where, it, where like I have to have a chip or something because no. I'm eating the chip for the avocado. You like the avocado, avocado is something to top my chip with. I'm not just going to eat an avocado. You've never had an avocado just by itself, Jesse? No, Cameron. Have you ever just Jesse. plowed into an avocado? Yeah, I got it with HelloFresh last week. Yeah, you and just, just ate it, it by first itself. First of all, first of all, no one can appeal to Cameron for food. Okay, that's the bologna that and true. mayonnaise that's guy. That's true. Right. That's true. No <laughs> one can appeal to him for that. Secondly, I'm just going to chalk this up to your non-West Coast living, and I'm going to go ahead and just because I like you so much, I'm going to let this avocado thing slide. But I will say this: coffee is a health food, and I'm going to outlive all of you. I think it's, uh, you said three cups a day. Yeah. Yeah. Three cups a day. That's a lot of coffee. That is a lot. What are you talking I drink about? three at breakfast. I do one in the morning. And if I stayed up, or if I got less than six hours, if I got like five hours sleep or, or less, I'll do one midday. But, but, but here's the other thing too. Is it like a measuring cup cup or is it like a mug? I think it's coffee? like a big, huge, like one of those like Bubba sized Yetis of coffee. <laughs> is it, <they> consider <laughs> 37 Thirst ounces. Busters. Yeah, okay, that, okay that, that, I'm so glad you brought up the Yeti thing. And I, I feel like I'm just ranting here, but oh. I went to the hardware store the other day. They show. have a whole section of Yetis, but the Yetis are basically like the razors in the drugstore, like behind their own glass because these Yetis cost like 50 bucks. Like what? makes them so great why are people ripping getting ripped off to buy a thermos that it makes zero sense to me why those are so expensive you gave me a mug that we both drink out of that florida mug Mm -hmm. it'll keep coffee hotter than i wanted to keep it like i'm like stop working so well i put i put uh you know ice and and some water in it and and, and go to bed i wake up in the morning 
ice is still there. It's not it's, by Yeti though. It's by the, the Yeti thing is shocking to me that like we were when we were in Montana or if you can go into any sporting goods store now. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's not just that they sell the coolers. They sell Yeti hats and branded apparel because people are so it's passionate thing, about their coolers. <laughs> Who's yeah. Yeah, who is buying a shirt to, to advertise how much they like their thermos? Dude, a lot of Floridians. A lot of people. It's like man. a thing down here. A lot of outdoorsmen and hunters it's a and thing, stuff. Bro. Yeah, it's a thing. It's crazy because I get wanting to keep things cool like a Yeti cooler on a camping trip. I've been camping before and we were camping and on the third day and this isn't a Bible thing, but on the, he rose on, again. on the third day, like the ice was still dry. It was so cold inside. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's not helpful. like, hey, I got a Rubbermaid cooler that I use to keep sodas cold. You know what? It works fantastically. It, it I don't does. be walking around in a Rubbermaid tank top at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. I agree, man. It was it's weird. status, bro. It's status. We all walk. We all have our status symbols. Yeah, but who you cares about your That's cooler status? I don't know. Yeah, ex- exactly. Is, is that and, what it's come to? Where the, the, the thermos and cooler I use is, is how I distinguish my class and society? And then so much so that I have to broadcast it on a t-shirt and a hat? It makes zero Aaron. sense. That you, being said, uh, Jesse, you, you are on a slippery slope to becoming Andy Rooney. You are very <laughs> close to Andy I'm Rooney. I'm more ornery in my old days. All this talk, of, all these people eating avocados for one. All these Yeti. I, Andy Rooney, you know what? He had a long career because he under he got it, man. He, he cut right to it. People understood. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he he's right. You know, why is my pills... Filled with three quarters cotton. It makes no sense. I'm digging them out of there. You know, these are prescribed by a doctor. He makes a great point. one cotton ball. One cotton. But this is just plain wasteful. Make a smaller um, bottle or use less cotton. It's that simple. Oh he, the goodness. guy was. The guy understood, man. Yeah, he, he's got like Jerry Seinfeld, observational humor. He 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 was saying stuff we've all observed, just nobody's putting into words quite like Andy Rooney or Jesse exactly. Carey. Jesse's really something. All right, so three cups of coffee a day. Done. Gluten communion only. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm not Catholic, but I'm going to go with it. Yeah, why not? Be a purist. I like and it. For all of the people who are going to be like, oh, I have celiac and can't handle gluten, I just want to say... We're still not going to do your problem. We're not doing anything in correction and apologies. There you go. It was the Pope. <laughs> take it, take <laughs> it up with the Pope. All right. They'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Moby joins us. Listening to Hazel English, the song is That Thing. You know what I'm talking about. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. Hey, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Finding great talent can be tough. Trust me, I know. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to more than 100 job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. And I can vouch. I have found candidates through ZipRecruiter. Um... Over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. You also don't need to juggle emails or calls to your office. You can see all the applicants right in one screen. You can rate them and manage all the candidates in one place. Their dashboard is really easy to use. 
Hey, find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, relevant podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. Legendary electronic music artist Moby has sold more than 20 million albums over the course of his career. And he just released his latest with his new band, The Void Pacific Choir. It's called More Fast Songs About the Apocalypse. Love it. Yeah. The album tackles big social issues, injustices, and environmentalism with a punk rock inspired sound. Jesse recently spoke with Moby about the album, how his Christian faith informs his social views, and why the message of the Bible is still so important. That's crazy. Jesse, I remember when we talked to him in 04, he loved Jesus, but I don't think he was saying he's a Christian. Yeah, I mean, it seems we, we talked a little bit about the evolution of his faith because, you know, we, we he because he, he remembered talking to us over the years. And, uh, you know, I think, Chandler, you, you've got to listen to this interview. It kind of like took me by surprise because it, it once he kind of, you know, realized what direction the, the interview is going, he really wanted to talk about faith. He You know, he mentioned that he leads Bible studies at his home. Um, it was a really fascinating conversation and he's a really thoughtful guy, not just about, uh, music and kind of innovating in music, but also about like the role that he sees faith playing in his activism because he, like, I think Eddie was saying earlier, you know, he is a, a, a vocal activist in a lot of different causes, but it's all centered around uh, an ethic that's built by his faith. And, you know, he, I mean, in the, in the interview that you'll hear, he talked about how he's been, you know, studying the Lord's prayer lately and how impactful that's been on him. It, it was a really fascinating, unexpected interview. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a fun one. If you thought going to Judah Smith's Bible study was cool, <laughs> go to Moby's. <laughs> yeah, go to Moby's, man. <laughs> Without any further ado, here is Moby. been less than a year i think since uh these systems are failing came out how come you wanted to get another album out right now there, there definitely seems to be a sense of urgency when you listen to it that's a good question i mean i guess it sort of speaks to the bigger question of like as a 51 year old man in 2017 why release albums at all because hmm. in the ye olden days when musicians released records there was the hopeful assumption that people would either buy them or listen to them. And also in the olden days, I would go on tour. And now when I make a record, I don't really expect people to pay attention. Um, I, I really don't expect anyone to buy the records I make. And I'm very pleasantly surprised if anyone takes the time to listen to them. Yeah. So these circumstances drive a lot of musicians crazy. So many musicians sort of have this desperate dream of things going back to the way they were in 2001 when people bought CDs and, you know, MTV was still viable. But in a way, I find the current climate for releasing music to actually be really liberating. Yeah. Because there's... There's no commercial pressure for me. Um, and the only thing 
I can sort of pay attention to when making a record is the joy that I get from making the record and the sort of the dialectic that's created when the record is released or when videos are released. For me, it's a really interesting way of communicating quite intimately with people. Yeah, well, I think one of the the great things about this album and that video in particular that's so jarring is it points out a lot of these hypocrisies. It, you know, it's not specifically you know pointing at Christians, but I, I felt like watching it, it takes these cultural values and really kind of shows them in very dramatic circumstances that ultimately is a reflection of, like you said, values that are absolutely counter to the teachings of Christ. It's funny because we look back. Let's say, you know, we look back. At culture a hundred years ago, or even 150 years ago, um, let's just keep it a hundred years ago when everybody smoked, <clears throat> women couldn't vote, children worked in factories, um, people killed buffalo for sport just while like you know shooting rifles out of the window of a train. Yeah. They used mercury in all sorts of you know health and industrial applications. Like we look back at these things. You know, when African-Americans and Caucasians couldn't eat at the same lunch counter and were horrified and baffled by it. But no one ever says, oh, what are we doing today that people in 100 years, assuming there are people in 100 years, will look back at and be baffled by? Mm. And there's so much. And it might be a little esoteric, but part of it is this almost like anthropological unwillingness to look at evidence. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, and I'm not anti-capitalist at all. You know, I think capitalism has created some really, you know, has created a lot of progress and created some good things. But like when capitalism is focused purely on the accumulation of wealth, there has to be a question attached to it is, is the accumulation of wealth actually making people happy? And I, I grew up in very wealthy places. And sure, being able to like pay the rent, take your friends out to dinner, and send your kids to a good school and get them healthcare, like, yeah, that's a good use. Those, those uses of money tend to make people happy. But when I look at the, the very wealthy, the billionaires accumulating so much wealth, and I know them, and they're miserable, and it just begs that question, like, why are people so unwilling to look at the evidence of, of actions? Or the, or the consequences of actions. And it's one of the things in a lighthearted way I was trying to look at in the video. Like there's a scene of, you know, a man on a rock surrounded by water trying to eat money. And it's just so odd to me that you have these corporations and these very wealthy people who day in, day out destroy the God-given natural environment in which we all, not just that we live in, but that we rely on for life. So their day job is destroying that environment. And the first thing they do when they make enough money is buy a country house. Yeah. And I'm like, if you care about the environment, why is, why, why don't you care about it 24 hours a day? You know, you can't just like, you know, clear cut the rainforest, make a billion dollars and then go buy a 20 acre estate in the Hamptons. Like, If you love nature 
and you recognize the sort of the sublimity of it, that has to inform all of your choices, ideally. As someone who is, you know, has, has these like astute observations about culture and technology and, and politics, but also someone who's thought, you know, has a very thoughtful relationship with the teachings of Christ and kind of these, you know, messages uh, and ways of breaking out. Are you as an individual hopeful about the future or is is do you even see it through the lens of like hope and fear or is it just kind of observing what's happening currently? It's, I'm, I'm, I'd say 30% optimistic, 70% pessimistic. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But there's a qualitative aspect to that as well, is the pessimism is very empirically supported. Like, there's a lot going on in our world that really does warrant, you know, like, just devastating pessimism. Yeah. Um, But at the same time the worse things get I mean there's it's it, for example you know like someone only really thinks about like getting sober or quitting smoking or changing their diet once they're truly confronted with the consequences of their actions yeah you know what I mean yeah. like no one gets sober because they have a gentle hangover yeah you know speaking of someone who get who is sober like you get sober after being crippled by hangovers a few thousand times you know the yeah. same way like no one quits smoking because they have a gentle cough. You know, you quit smoking because you're diagnosed with emphysema and the doctor says you have six months to live. Yeah. And so my, and, and humans, I was talking about this with Cory Booker, um, who's an old friend of mine. And there's that famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote of the arc of the moral universe. No, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. And I would say if we look at the history of humanity, like just go back to the last few thousand years, almost from like the code of Hammurabi on, is there's an arc of humanity that also bends towards reason. And by reason, I mean like an awareness of circumstances and a willingness and a willingness to look at evidence and a, a sort of like a collective willingness to have our behavior not be arbitrary based on habit if that makes any sense yeah yeah you know and so i so i think that as a species we are being confronted again with the cumulative consequences of our actions and we're slowly waking up and we're seeing that the way that we're living is not just gently bad like it's apocalypse level devastating and and the more wealth we accumulate and the more the more we ostensibly succeed the less happy we become and i know a lot of people who are slowly waking up to that and it just begs the question like if the way that we're living is destroying ourselves, destroying the environment, destroying the ability for future generations to be happy, why are we still living this way? Yeah. You know, we have the ability to change, but, you know, and there's precedent for that. You know, you think of like, I mean, at one point, slavery was the law of the land, you know, and now it's not. Yeah. You know, at one point, women couldn't vote. At one point, children worked in factories. At one point, everyone smoked. And now those things are no longer the case. Like we've, 
we've rationally moved away from things based on evidence. I just hope we're able to do that in a contemporary way before we're destroyed by our choices. Yeah. You know, like you hope that you hope that the guy who's diagnosed with emphysema is able to quit smoking and get healthy before the emphysema kills him. Well, you know, one of the things about the album, and particularly the video that you released for In a Cold Place, is that it looks at a lot of these cultural values that we've seemed to have adopted as a society that aren't really values that, uh, you know, are, and shows how really alarming they are. Yeah, and it's, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I know that, um, as I've talked to your magazine and site before, like, the, the Christian aspect of it. Yeah. And that is a really fascinating, I mean, like to to call yourself a christian is such a like of course in our culture a lot of people call them call themselves christian and i know this sounds judgmental but it is just a form of tribalism for sure. a lot of people yeah absolutely you know but if you're really willing to get involved in the text and you know, and even some of the more sort of like vaguely esoteric aspects of it, of the teachings of Christ and of, you know, whether they exist on a literal or metaphoric level, you know, the idea of, and I keep coming back to this, is separation, you know? I mean, it's one of the first facts of the Bible is humans being separated from the divine. Yeah. And you could almost say that the whole Bible, like that's the, the, the whole story of the Bible, is the fruits of that separation and how painful and difficult it is to exist with that separation and what could possibly be done to heal that separation. Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. I mean, if you look at it, like our willingness to go to war and to commit violence and to destroy the environment and to destroy ourselves like it's all the product of that separation of like the gospel too is the reunion and, and the, the the communion and the, and the healing and the and the realization of like Christ teaching of like no the last are first and the first are mm -hmm. last is what can break those patterns of destruction yeah if but it's and it's it's very nuanced because I humans love black and white thinking and I say this as a human who likes black and white thinking and we like tribalism and so a challenge I think is how does our faith not fall into the trap of black and white thinking and fall into the trap of tribalism giving a little basic theology class to some friends the other day and I was saying like a lot of people don't know that's what Jesus was killed for that simple quote of saying, you know, before Moses, before Abraham, I am. And it's also really fascinating because it's sort of like it's rejecting. It's basically saying that the human conception of time has nothing to do with the divine. You know, and the human conception of existence. And that's... It's, it's re, again way brighter theologians for the last few thousand, couple thousand years have been wrestling with this 
question, but that idea of like, you know, the atemporal divine being represented in human form and what would it look like? Like that's just to me such a fascinating question. Yeah, and it's almost like that has to be the starting point, too, because it puts God in a context so greater than our own that we realize that the the ideas may be inconceivable, but we still have to wrestle with them because they're outside of our full plane of understanding. Yeah, like it's that aspect that in the human form, there are just simple universal truths that we are incapable of understanding, you know, and that's an idea that's, that's also reiterated you know, many times throughout the Bible in really sort of subtle, almost, you know, like Gnostic ways. That was Moby. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Looking for resources for a deeply formed spiritual life? Fuller Studio offers podcasts, videos, stories, and more curated from the scholarship of Fuller Seminary's world-class faculty. Listen as President Mark Laberton reflects on wisdom with radio host Krista Tippett. Watch director Martin Scorsese discuss his Christian faith with Professor Cutter Calloway. Read rich reflections on evangelical interfaith dialogue. All this and more available to use freely for any purpose. Explore now at fuller.edu slash studio. That's fuller.edu slash studio. When I'm on the train You're listening to Beach Fossils. The song is Down the Line. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Somebody said, I, you know, started out with that Cohen could replace me. Yeah. And he's my choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, if you didn't hear last week's show, uh, my seven-year-old son Cohen was in the studio and mm. we gave him headphones and, and he wanted to sit up at the mic. So he was just sitting there just like listening. Right, being a buddy. But he told me after we were done, he goes, I said, you know, what'd you think? He goes, I thought I'd get the chance to talk more. He wanted to participate more. He sounds just like me. And I was like, oh, buddy, we'll have you back <laughs> we on. Can, yeah, tell him we can make that happen. Yeah, dude, we can. Yeah, he literally thought like he would get the chance to like talk. Same, same maturity. He's funnier. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, like yes. you guys are really say, both. Yeah, I mean, both he's, into he's got spinners. an elevated maturity right. level than you for sure. Right. I'll say this. He wouldn't, no he wouldn't blaspheme Holy Communion on Twitter. He knows better than that. <laughs> no, no, he would know what to do. <laughs> so it's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we asked you, um, what are some troubling or confusing lyrics to Christian songs? And what are some ideas for maybe those uh, lyrics to be replaced? We were talking about the sloppy white kiss line and, yeah. and, and that, Classic. you know, Tomlin swa- swapped it out for unforeseen cr- kiss. Crowder. Yeah. Crowder. Yeah. But it, actually unforeseen kiss is way more disturbing than a sloppy white kiss because who wants an unforeseen kiss? You know what I'm saying? That's so what I'm saying. It just got us thinking. Yeah of troublesome lyrics. What would you do to change them out? You guys hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast. You also posted uh, on the podcast episode page at relevant magazine.com. Here are a few of our favorites. (laughs) 
McLean said that uh, a buddy, uh, uh, his buddy, had the church media guy somehow messed up the slides for the lyrics. Uh, fill me up. I, I don't know if it was a transparency situation or, or a PowerPoint, but either way, the, the he accidentally changed the lyrics to fill me up, <laughs> misspelling fill for feel. So the song, the chorus of the song was on God. Feel me up. Not necessarily confusing, but singing the chorus over and over again with those lyrics. Lyrics were a little uncomfortable. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) My favorite right here is we are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. A worship song formerly sung in my church where my wife grew up in. He's like, his replacement lyric is no. Ross King said, uh, "Thanks to a friend, he can't hear the song Everlasting God without picture Jesus winning the Defender of the Week honors. (laughs) You know, you are the Defender." He says, "I I, he every time he thinks about it, it it sounds like a uh, like something they would award an NFL player with after a game. Defender of the Week every time." And now yeah. you Where it's like, too. look, hey, Anytime you G- I'll say this. this. I'll say this. When we're talking about Jesus, you know, his, his shot was a little cold this week, but definitely the defender of the week. He was yeah. locked down. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> well, I his, have offense, a- his offense is off, but, you know. Defense is there. Yeah, well, I mean, defense is all about desire. You're not always going to have your shot going in, but exactly. it's, uh, you can always defend well. Yeah. Yeah, there's no excuse for that. You know, that's the thing about screen typos are always the best yeah. in worship because it's already just so boring and you're just like standing there. You're like, OK, I'm singing. Nothing but, breaks the spirit more than a typo. Oh, like man, you're worshiping, you're entering in. Oh, you're yeah. really, you're I, I ministry did. happen. And then you're like, I can't not see that. Typo. I can't not see when they're doing your and your wrong. I mean, oh, like yeah. on the thing, it's not even really a typo. It's just a person typing. It didn't it's, know the difference. Unconscionable. You know, I was really going <laughs> to commit to making some life changes today, but I cannot get past that lack of an apostrophe there. So, you know, that's all I can think about. So we'll 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 get some correction next week. I think. What do we think about when they do on the screen and they put the apostrophe because they're singing the word sort of like and like they're kind of shortening up like cuz yeah or something or, uh, no it, oh, it's like oh, error like instead e apostrophe er yeah, instead of ever. I'm like why don't you just write the whole word and I'll figure out how to sing it because the apostrophe in the middle of a word. Well, the old hymnals did it that way. I guess they did. I went to a fundamentalist yeah, Baptist uh, Christian school. Phonetic. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah or, they, but my, my other problem too yeah, is like or the mountain. Oh yeah, that's right. Or, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah okay. my other problem too is like when the, when it, when the slides were obviously produced in house, they weren't like some you ordered with some like worship package and loaded into PowerPoint and the line breaks are totally off. Yeah. Like where the line breaks don't fit the rhythm of the song, and you're the one looking like the dummy who's like over singing the verse on the on the row, and everyone's looking down the row like, "Have you heard this song before? What were you singing it wrong?" It's because the line breaks are off, dude. Fix the line break. It seems like the person doing the PowerPoint is a simple job. And spell it right and get the line. The breaks person in, in the AV booth who's not quite keeping up with the rhythm of the switching because like they're letting you get all the way through the last line on the slide. Yeah. They're starting to sing the next line before he switches the slide. I don't know what words are coming. I don't know what's next. You yeah, lose half that, a line. I get anxiety like, over I, stuff like that. I know. Right. It's like you got to anticipate we're getting near the end of the line. Show me the next slide. Yeah. My my least favorite thing, though, is the worship leader and the worship leaders. Like if you've got slides up there yeah. and they're going just fine. Yeah. Quit talking because they're up there going like, all right, sing bless the Lord. 
You're like, I know it's right there. Oh. It's right there. <laughs> but maybe well, they you don't know. know you know what's going on behind them. I heard a comedian talk about this one time. Like, it's the equivalent of someone who doesn't know how to read their phone number. Like, it, there's a clear rhythm to it. It's three numbers, three numbers, four numbers. Right. No one says, when you say, hey, what's your number? 6128. Three two eight six seven five four. Like you just yeah, there's a rhythm to it. Throw everybody off. Yeah, just fix the line break. <laughs> Did you change a digit at least in your phone number now? Just now? Because we're not editing. I made, that, I made that one up. But uh, uh, okay, okay, just make but, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, feel free to call it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? The rhythm thing's an issue too because. Cause I come from like a black church or a, or a Latino church. A lot of people know my story. Like I grew up in like an Hispanic neighborhood, right? So the we might be singing the same song, but the rhythm when we go into these, uh, when you go into another church who actually uses PowerPoint, because we ain't come from that, you're supposed to just know the song, um, <laughs> is I'm, I'm legit thrown off because I'm like, wait, where, where's the one? And I feel like I'm the goober because, again, we, we singing from the soul. So when we singing How Great Thou Art, it's m- that verse is much longer than y'all's. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least at least with the PowerPoint, like it gives us some help for rhythm because the worst was back in the day with transparencies. Oh, because yeah. at that point, you're at the mercy of the kid who's got transparency yeah. doing that. Week. And not only is he putting the new verse on there, but he's, he's taking at least three seconds to reposition it because they're very slippery when you put them on there to project them <laughs> yeah, on Yeah, they're always the crooked. Always. Yeah, always or, crooked. Or the yeah. Sweet. It, it, honestly, I, I got I get motion sick sometimes in worship watching that kid. You yeah. know, the, the worst song, though, is that no one has ever figured out how to sing is that hallelujah for the Lord God. Almighty. Nobody knows how much room to put between hallelujah and four dash, 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 everybody, dash, dash. every single church, even people within that church who sing it yeah. every single week still yeah, we don't know when you to know, start. Hey, you know, you're in trouble oh, okay. if you're in the audience trying to figure out the rhythm of a song like that. And that everyone on stage is looking at each other when it's time to change. Like right. <laughs> the, 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 the lead singer's got is like on his guitar, looking back at the drummer and the bass player trying to poke his head in between them. Like now guys now, no. and they all kind of raise up. There's no chance of an average person catching onto the rhythm. And they've all no. got avion in ears. They can all hear each other and they still can't figure it out. Yeah. They're basically <laughs> broken down to hand motions at that point. Yeah. All right. Time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, we got talking about a uh, failed, ambitious plan to rent overpriced umbrellas to (laughs) 300,000 people. Um, It went awry. And, and right. just got us thinking about potential rental businesses. I always, I always dreamt that one day I would rent jet skis on an island or something like I, I think the I you can make so much money because you can get a jet ski for like you know 10 grand no you know problem. your payments are going to be a couple hundred bucks a month and you're going to rent them for $60 an hour and you no know problem. what worst case scenario if the business goes belly up you got three jet skis and nobody's <laughs> complained about owning three That's what jet I'm skis yeah, no. yeah you never hear everybody complaining about their bankrupt jet ski rental business because they just have a fleet of jet skis now <laughs> so yeah exactly worst case scenario I'm having jet ski parties every weekend right worst case scenario bro can't Cameron, you want the life of the end of some sort of espionage action movie. That's yes. exactly right. You're what the guy yeah. is at the end. He runs this rental that, thing. That'd be the dream. But it just got us thinking about good rental ideas that people haven't thought of before. Clearly, mine's yeah. been thought of because it happens everywhere. Uh, the, the umbrella guy was thinking outside the box. So we want to know your outside the box rental business ideas. <laughs> 
What would they be? What would you rent? How much would it be? And how would you prevent 300,000 of them from walking away? <laughs> <laughs> that's for, in just three months. That's what's astounding about that. Like if you gave me $300,000 and said you have three months to get rid of these and you can't find one of them, I might have a hard time yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you had them in a like automatic feeder and you were just driving and throwing. Yeah. <laughs> You could not throw you couldn't get rid of them. No, yeah. you couldn't throw hundred thousand yeah. a month. Yeah, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your uh, rental business ideas out of the box ones on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Or how long? Or tell us how long you think it would be. It would take you to feed three hundred thousand <laughs> umbrellas into a wood chipper. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, many thanks to our show sponsors for making this episode pos- possible. Remember, you can go over to hellofresh.com right now and get. $30 off your first week of deliveries by entering offer code RELEVANT30 when you subscribe. Trust me, you'll like it. Also, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. Uh, thanks also to our one and only guest for joining us this week, Moby. You can follow him on Twitter at the little idiot. Or you can, or his new album. <laughs> Sorry, Chandler. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it was taken. Hi, um, Chandler Burn. <laughs> uh, and his new album, "More Fast Songs About the Apocalypse," is out now. Go check it out. That's a brilliant album name. More fast That's songs awesome. about the apocalypse. Um, hey, while you're online, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people see it. And also head over to relevantmagazine.com and you can subscribe today. We had, we've had more subscriptions in the first 11 days of July than we've had in the last two months. We changed our pricing format and oh. people are liking it. Go check it out. Relevantmagazine.com. You can subscribe to Relevant right now. Uh, There's a good deal. You'll like it. Check it out. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Propaganda. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Come on, it's fun to compromise. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know. Lost myself in endless dreams. With headlights glaring back at me. I promise you it's not different. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Why is my pills filled with three quarters cotton?